0: Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast, I'm in Singapore, as agreed at the end of April with Mark Ogden, Mark's the Chief Football Writer for ESPN, and we did a podcast before the Chelsea game at Old Trafford in April, where United drew one all and that basically meant that they weren't going to get into the Champions League, and the podcast was extremely well. Listen to Mark, made some very good points, and there's a lot of despondency around at the time it's not completely cleared and that was reflected in the podcast but we made a deal anyway to share a Singapore sling which we're not going to be able to do because we're not in the long bar at the Raffles Hotel but we're stood by a coffee machine with no coffee and some empty shelves uh, in the National Stadium cheers for joining us Mark have you you had a a decent summer?
1: Yeah it's been uh, a bit more time at home this this year because there's been no World Cup or Euros so I've had about four or five weeks at home which is unusual for me Did you not get bored? yeah I do get bored yeah and, and even my wife has you know has noticed that I get bored and restless but it makes a change to be able to eat properly've got to bed at the right times and not you know you mentioned the food it, it, basically it's just crackers and hot noodles with cold water it's a bit weird this place but uh, yeah um, yeah I feel healthy once going well, to start of a new we, season
0: we can't moan about what we do for a living because no. we're, we're incredibly fortunate to get paid to travel to these places but and there will be There'll be absolutely no sympathy here, but it knackers you out. After I last spoke to you, I flew straight to Mexico and I was absolutely goose for like a week later, but we're gonna,
1: people are just going to be like, shut up. The, the violins are playing here, but, you know, it's true. I mean, the fans listening to this would give the right arm and so would I if I wasn't doing this job, and I'm not complaining about it, but it is it is a, a bit of a slog. and uh, You know, sometimes it's hard to, to eat properly. God, sound like it sound like? Yeah, it's a small problem. <laughs> right. But, you know, anyway... Yeah, that, there'll be bigger problems listening this podcast than eating properly in Singapore let's get stuck into the problems then Manchester
0: United how do you weigh up what has happened since we last spoke because there's been a big cloud over the club the fans have not been happy about the recruitment over the summer the end of the season was absolutely disastrous there's been a lot of noise online about the glazers out I've written a piece which I stand by saying that I don't think that's been reflected in real life. But it could do if the season starts badly. Yeah. And, yeah, I've also been on this tour and I've seen things that make me feel positive about the future of Manchester United.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that chat we had in the last season was, was pretty negative and there's a lot of uh, concerns, you know, leveled at the club. And uh, some have been addressed, others haven't. I do think the mood is a bit brighter. I think, you know, they haven't signed as many players as people would want haven't let as many players go as people would want, but then look at the the rest of the Premier League. It's been a very, very quiet transfer window this time. I think United are the biggest spenders actually. I think you know City have broken the record on Rodri, um, Tottenham have broken the record on uh, London Ballet but United have brought two players in. So I think a lot of fans are expecting 200 million pound spending spree a couple of star names, which is not it's not been like that across the board anyway. So they've done a bit of the business they needed to do. I mean, if they start the season with a kid from Swansea and the new right back it's not enough but I do think I think they'll get Harry Maguire um, they're going to have to offer a lot more than they started with 40 million quid you know you talk about the negativity on, on social media I've, I've had quite a bit of that as well this summer because I've written two or three pieces that have probably not um, sat well with United fans and one of them is that Oli's been told he's got 100 million pounds to spend and I've been kind of uh, uh, ridiculed, slaughtered, etc. online, but the reality is that's that's what that's what he's got to spend, and um, if they sell the car, key, which I think probably will, then he will get the majority of that money to spend, so it's a net £100 million, but it's probably not enough for the only spent £70 million last year didn't he, on Dallo, Fred and uh, Lee Grant. One of the points you
0: touched on last time, which interested a lot of people, was David De Gea as a, a goalkeeper. It looks like he's going to sign a new contract to stay. At the time, he'd been offered a new deal which would have made him the best paid goalkeeper in the world it wasn't enough he's been offered even more now is
1: that good? Well I suppose it's good in the sense United can't be to be losing the best players um, but did they have to make him the best paid goalkeeper in the world I didn't really see a market for him so
0: there I was see, only PSG really yeah
1: it's another one of these decisions that United made where they've probably gone a bit too high when they didn't need to but the circumstances are of the club needs all the good news they can get. And, um, you know, for me, De Gea slipped back last year. He wasn't anywhere near the best goalkeeper in the world last year. He's still a great stopper. His reflexes are the best in the world, but I think he need more from a goalkeeper now. But maybe now that he's got this, looks like he's got it settled, he might focus on his game a bit more again and realise that he does need to just tweak a few parts of his game a bit to be to United, what Edison and Alisson are to Liverpool and Man City, and, you know, a lot of United fans who see the team a lot more than I do are saying that they think they play better with Romero in goal because they defend 10-20 yards higher up the pitch. Now, to be fair, they play when Romero plays; they don't play the same standard of teams. You do you know, De Gea plays like against all the big teams, but there's the element of that that De Gea does invite the defenders to drop a bit deeper, and then when you've got a weak defence, it doesn't bode well, does it? No wonder he saves so many shots because the defenders are defending much more deeper. So, but ultimately, yeah. To keep him is a good thing because it would be really hard to replace De Gea with a, a similar standard goalkeeper. There's only old black I think who could have done it and getting him out at of Atletico Madrid ain't going to be easy, so it's a good news story. Yeah. Dean Henderson is promising at
0: Sheffield United but yeah. probably not ready for Manchester United yet. He thinks he is, Yeah, but players always think like
1: that. Well, that's good that he thinks he is and maybe he will be in the future, but my concern right now is that there's too many players in the squad that could be good players in the future. You know, wan is one, Dalo is another one. Daniel James, Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial. You need players who are proven. No. Yeah, and De Gea is one of those. You know, I think they need a couple more. Harry Maguire, you know, if he said to me, you know, he'd be top class centre-half, I wouldn't have him in the top five, to be honest. But maybe he's the best of what he can get. And if that's the case, then great, get the best of what he can get. Um, they need someone in midfield, because I don't think Matic, if he stays, and I'm not sure he will, is capable of... Being a dominant midfielder in the Premier League, so you need a better version of Manu Matic What's changed, do you think, with Matic? I just think he's got old. i know not only thirty, but I just think he's got old, and I think he's not very mobile. And you need to be nimble and mobile. And you know, look at Fabinho and Fernandinho. They they can they can get around the pitch. They can they can do what Matic can't do. I just think he's it he looks a bit outdated. Look, it looks like a Mourinho player, and Mourinho was a bit outdated at the end. Lukaku's another one, isn't it? No, no, none of the top teams now play with a centre forward. But Jose brought in McCarthy because all these teams in the past, you know, have had a Drogba or a Melito or even a Ronaldo or you know Benny McCarthy. And those days have gone, and so maybe Oli has to kind of make the team more as of now than the Mourinho team that you know wasn't really for, for modern day football. So he's got a, a problem in that sense. But they just need a bit more quality and experience throughout right? because they've got a lot of promising young kids
0: spoke to Benny McCarthy last week he's doing very well at Cape Town City Did you know who he wanted to get in touch with? Jose? Correct well, well he'll be building his next
1: empire won't he? And yeah, he's, he's seen some of his coaches go to yeah, yeah. places so he needs assistance and well that's the thing you know Jose's players I guess what pre-Real Madrid have all been immensely loyal to him Benny loves him yeah, and it's so always has done a lot of the Chelsea players do the Porto players he went to Real Madrid it kind of Affected him, and I think United kind of bore the brunt of that towards the end. They they suffered for it really. The, the kind of this disgruntled man that he
0: became. To Anzorbi is one we didn't mention. Yeah. He's from quite close to your neck of the woods. He spent most of his life in in Rochdale. Yeah. I thought he played well against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. He's one where do I know he's going to be a regular centre half next season for Man United? I can't answer that question. He's got potential, but is he good to play? Good enough to play for Manchester United?
1: Well, I, uh, I saw him play against Inter on uh, on Saturday in Singapore. and I've seen enough of these preseason games over the years to know that you can't judge a player if, if you're just to play on preseason. McAda would still be United. I mean, he, he isn't obviously. But um, and Jordy Cruyff would have been made captain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I think Zaby has got potential. He's a, he's, a, he's a big, strong lad. He's apparently, you know, I know people who, who knew him when he was a kid in Rochdale, and he's he's got a really good family background. He's a bright kid, and I think you need that sort of player that if are bright kids, then they'll, they'll take on tactical detail a bit more readily than others. And I think. United are exactly blessed with central defensive talent, are they? So my only concern there would be that he probably needs it it'd benefit from having a really good centre half, experience centre half to bring him on. Well then so would Chris Smalling, Phil Jones and uh, Marcus Rojo Rojo and Bay Ian Lindelof. I think I think they've got a good crop of decent centre halves. You just need and I said this a couple of times, if they had Sergio Ramos he would bring he would be like a John Terry figure, he would bring him all on. Then Ramesses is in his thirties and he's on massive money. He's not gonna come but that is what they need a character with that, that mould to make the players around him better. And I don't see Harry Maguire might do that, but I, I think he's the same he's the same sort of age as Smalling and John. And I don't think he's, he's a guy he's not Virgil Van Dyke, is he, let's be honest. no. So, no Van Dijk was described to me as a
0: transformative signing yeah. for Liverpool, and you can, you can uh, see that. Ramos wanted to come a few years ago, at least that's what he said, but yeah. when push came to shove, when Florentino Perez got him in an office in Beijing with his lawyer sat outside, he separated him, Ramos went into that room thinking he's going to Man United, and he came out of it with a new Real Madrid contract. He balled it. Yeah,
1: there were a few of those at that time, weren't there, I think, under, under Van Halen, Moise yeah. and Fabregas, Ramos yeah. and a couple of others that yeah. people thought were going to come, but... Uh, you know, Ramos, for me, it's, that, is, that is what United need. He's not a guy in his prime, but people talk about leaders. I think it's more about characters. And I look, I look at the squad and I don't see many characters. You know, when I, I saw a lot of Liverpool last season, for right or wrong. They've got a lot of characters on that pitch. You've know, Van Dijk, Milner, Salah. Uh, Henderson's a character. Andy Robertson's a character. They've they just got players that you know that if you're in a dressing room, you could turn to. I just look at the United dressing room and I think there's a lot of players who are looking around for somebody of that ilk too just to raise them a level. I, I don't, ability-wise, I don't think that, that bad. I just think there's a, there's a lack of characters and men, to use a great instrument's in word, you know, just, just real men. We've got some questions from United
0: We Stand readers. Uh, is Pogba expanding? <laughs> Here's the first
1: one. Expanding in what but, sense? Well, I think he means his weight. He does look a little bit heavier than normal on this tour, but... <laughs> I think the one thing about players, they're not fat. If it's anything, they put a bit of bulk on, a bit of muscle, and and you can't also underestimate the effects of a new kit. Some of these muscle fit kits these days make them look a lot bigger than they are. And I think, uh, you know, I don't think Pogba has any fat on him whatsoever. If, if he's no, he's not expanding. Makaku um, might be expanding, but I think again, it, he just spends a bit too much time. You know, in the way it's not fat accurate. I think that, that's that's an unfair criticism label that. I just think he's the wrong shape for the player that he is. Has the, pub, has the PR improved with journalists?
0: Asks Paul Taylor. Did United realise it was so bad last year compared to Liverpool, and how much of this was down to Mourinho? Um,
1: have they improved? I still think United have got some way to go. Um, you know, Marine Singapore when we Tottenham. Tottenham are a really good club to deal with. You know, I landed on Wednesday and they gave me. An exclusive sit-down with Hugh Galleries on the Thursday. Um, I've just gone up to Tottenham, introduced myself,
0: and said I'd like to speak to one of our players. And they basically said, "Which one do you want?" I'm yeah. going to get the Player of the Year after the game.
1: Yeah, well, last last year, I did Liverpool in America. They gave me Jurgen Klopp. They gave me Daniel Sturridge. who never does anything. So not anything about United this time, and neither as Rob Rob Dawson who covers United on a daily basis for us, and I think a lot of fans will say, "Good serves you right." But um, I just think United need to be more relaxed about it I know people are trying to be I just think you know I can understand it ten years ago when Ferguson was in charge and uh, they had a team of superstars and they didn't want to be bothered with media stuff but they haven't got a team of superstars now they've got a team of players who probably need to have their um, I'm not using the word brand their reputation enhanced a bit and you know the personality to come out a bit we don't, we don't know enough about these players because you just speak to for three or four minutes in the mix zone and say nothing and you bland platitudes, you know. As the players that are in the squad, it's not like one matter you know, you know, much about him because he'll speak about it. I think when players speak to the media, it kind of gives them the opportunity to grow as a person, you know, just to trust people a bit more. And I don't know, I just think United need to listen up a bit. How does the mood of the players and the staff on this tour compare to the shambles of last year? Well, as El Veterano. I'll pass it on back on to you in a minute because you, you've been in Perth and I've just come out from Singapore but I was in America last year and the mood was horrific because of Jose and you know for a variety of reasons and I've been in Singapore for two or three days and the mood is a lot better it's I think there's, a, there's a, an element to that that I think the players in the club got bored with America I think they've been there three or four years the and it just got a little bit samey and they just got too used to being in LA, LA at UCLA and I think coming to the Far East and to Singapore, I think the players have enjoyed being treated like the Beatles. You know, fans screaming at them and the the popularity over here is massive and there's a huge difference between the US and the Far East and they're growing in the, you know, football's growing in the US, don't get me wrong, but in the Far East, it's just, it's such a happier place for football. There's no cynicism over here. The fans just love seeing any player. I mean, they're even asking for selfies with journalists, which is just ridiculous. if that was in the UK, they'd be looking to punch us rather than have selfies, and it's just a, a friendlier, they're so, they're so happy to see Man United, and I think that's rubbed off on the squad. It's like, oh yeah, we're popular, you know. Although I do know they don't like the uh, intensity. I remember, I think Edwin van der Sar said once that he couldn't go shopping in Kuala Lumpur because he was six foot ten and noticeable, but I just think it's, it's nice to be over here, to, to be killed by love rather than
0: something else. In answer to it, I think the mood is definitely better than a year ago. I think the players are fitter, they're enjoying training. I think it's a fragile confidence because of the way last season finished and they know that they're getting pelters from fans. I think that if the season started well, then great, but if they were to lose the first very tough matches against Chelsea and Wolves, then that confidence would be shattered. But people want Oli Gunnar to do well. Will he do well? He doesn't even know at this moment if Paul Pogba's going to be here for when the season starts and they're struggling to get players they're struggling to sell players but I've been encouraged by what I've seen off this tour they've won all three matches they've not conceded any goals it's not about that as you said earlier but, but that helps, it helps with confidence and fr- from the analysis side the, all the readings and that, that coming back are better I've seen Rashford looking sharper because he looked so pissed off again the last season glimpses of Martial Bissaka looks really, really good and so positives, but I'm well aware that's against against a backdrop of negativity because Manchester United shouldn't be finishing uh, sixth. sixth. No. More questions for you now. Uh, can you expand on your hundred million budget report where well, you did that you did that already at the start. Do you think United need to make a statement to all the super agents and sharks in football by keeping Pogba?
1: Is the next question. Um the only reason you should keep Paul Pogba is if you think it benefits the team and if it's the right thing to do. It doesn't really matter if, if it makes a statement to agents because ultimately they're going to need agents in the future because there will, be, there will be a time when United are competitive again and they'll be in the market for the best players and that best player will have an agent. So the Pogba decision should be purely about is he the right player to have in the dressing room? And if he is, then keep him. If he isn't, then sell him. Nothing to do with his agent is.
0: Heaven Knows 2 asks, it seems, looking in from the outside, that United have been been played big time by the big players in the football industry. Do you agree? Question for
1: both of you. The big players? What, in players' players? I think uh, players and their agents. Um, yeah, they probably have in recent years. Um, but I don't think many clubs have not I think, you know, Man City did, were played terribly in the first few years of Abu Dhabi, you know, and they they kind of readily accepted that was a price they had to pay to get to a certain level I think they're in a position of strength where they don't need to be played when United was strong under Fergie, they didn't need to be played either it's just a a reality of where they are at the moment when you're a club that is finishing 6th or 7th you're vulnerable to be played because you're a bit desperate you can't attract players that you want to because you're 6th or 7th so if you just want to take a moral stance and not get involved with these people then you're not going to get the players unfortunately that's the real world we're living in. Where can you see United finishing this year? Is the gap
0: too much between Liverpool and City and United? Well,
1: yeah, I mean they're not going to finish top two. I think the top two will probably be City and Liverpool. Don't know which order. I don't think anyone actually cares which order, as long as it's bad either way for a United. Fan. Um, I think, if you had to <laughs> say one of the two, I think City. I think City win the league. and I'll tell you why because I think last season I, I was. Um, Liverpool. Tottenham and Liverpool in August at Wembley Liverpool won I think 2-1 and the team sheets that day there were seven Tottenham players who had been at the World Cup and they were knackered there was one Liverpool player that had been like beyond the quarter final. I just think Liverpool last year benefited massively from having a squad of players that weren't overly worked at the World Cup or some didn't even go Van Dijk didn't go Wijnaldum didn't go Milner didn't go so they were quite fresh and they had a great start and sustained it this time they've had Mino in the Copper America they've had Salah in the African Nations Marnie went to the final of the African Nations they've had Van Dijk playing into the summer in the Nations League I just think this year they've had a lot of players that are going to miss pre-season they've got the Super Cup to add in they've got the Cherry Shield to add in they've got the Club World Cup to add in I just think Liverpool will find it a lot tougher this year to be anywhere near where they were last year so and I still think City won the league playing within themselves quite a bit last year so but so they with the top two and then beyond that I just think you know Chelsea could be anything they can't, you know, without hazard they can't spend any money I've been told by people who've seen a lot of Christian Pulisic that he's not all that Kante's flown back from the Tour of Japan with a knee problem, so he might miss the opening game at, at United so Chelsea could go any, either way really um, Tottenham Tottenham are Tottenham aren't they I think Arsenal are the, the team that could you know, be the one vulnerable to being caught by Wolves or Leicester I think Wolves and Leicester are two really good clubs at the minute you know it just depends on the start. Like I said, Chelsea and Wolves is two really tough games. you know Chelsea at Old Trafford is a game they never win. Wolves at Molineux has become a game they never win. So Wolves at was... Old Trafford was bad enough well, yeah. last year. So they've got a tough start and I think if they if they start well, then it'll sustain them. And I think I know I did another piece I got a bit of stick for that some of the players have been grumbling at all these training, that it's been a bit too much focused on running, but the players weren't fit enough so they're going to moan about it. It's tough. They need to be fitter. And if they are, if they are fitter, and it generates a better start, then then it will work. I think, the I think the issue with that is, I think the British lads psychologically feel better having had a hard pre-season I think they feel they've got, you know, the miles in the bank, and it it sustains them in the hard parts of the season in November. The players say so it's good to have a pre-season and The foreign lads look at it as that it will make them tired quicker, increase the fatigue levels. But I just think they've got to, you know, suck it up and, you know start season 1
0: why would you get stick for reporting that story i did it because people don't like negative news pretty much yeah yeah it's it's the world of donald trump isn't it it's... i found it bizarre on on social media that people there are a large body of people who just want their prejudices reinforcing. Absolutely, and if yeah. you go against that yeah
1: it's um... It's a bit yeah, weird. Yeah, I've weird. really noticed this. Somewhere. I do think it's like, you know, without getting too too deep, it's the, it's the way the world has come, you know, the Donald Trumpification of things, whereby you're either with us or against us, and there's no middle ground. And uh, if you write negative stuff, you're against us. I'm just writing what we be told. You know, if, if the sun was shining on Trafford every day and everyone loved everything, I'd, it would be a story, but I wouldn't be writing a, stuff. A journalist's
0: not. job is to tell the truth. The loyalty to your readers, isn't it? And
1: yeah, but... So well, some people just want to be told. Yeah, but there's a lot of... The way the media's gone these days, a lot, a lot of club media that are media that are attached to clubs, yeah. only put the positive news out, and, and that's, that's just, it's not dangerous, but it's it's it's, it's self defeating. You'd you have to give people that are the reality of it, and if stuff that I'm writing doesn't, you know, go down with people, I'm sorry, but that's that's I'm just writing what I've been told by people who know what's happening. So that's my job. That's your job. That's you know, lad on, on the tour. That's their job. So i am sure fans are rather know what's really happening you know, than what they want to happen, is not it? Maybe they don't. Maybe they
0: don't. I, I think if you ask them, they'd say they would. But in reality, yeah. when you put stuff out there which... Uh, I remember probably the best example for me in 2015, I did a, a piece on United's failing youth system. And my, my sources were absolutely impeccable. And I wrote it. And I went on a pre-season tour expecting a load of state And people from the club were coming up to me, making sure no-one was looking, going... That was spot on that. But fans, because you're giving them bad news, yeah. just don't like it. Well, they it's think, the truth. They think you're sticking the boot in, the anti, whatever. It's, yeah. not, it's not the case. It's um, stuck the boot in, because A, it was true, and B, I wanted the club who I supported to become better.
1: Yeah, an element of that, the whole, let's let's put a positive spin on things. And this is, I mean, it may be a bit harsh here, but the club have made a, certainly the club website have made a big thing of that, on tour, that it's got seven goals, they've all been scored by Academy products. Well, you can look at that two ways. You can look at that as saying that the academy system is producing loads of great players. Or you can look at it as a saying they're not buying any top-quality players, so that's why the academy kids are playing, because they haven't got any superstars. And, you know, it depends on your outlook, how you perceive that. But let's be honest, the academy products in this team, as promises as they might be, they're not a class of 92, are they? So maybe seven academy graduates scoring the goals is is not as as great a thing as it should be but a lot of people lap that up saying oh, look, look at look it it's Man United producing players again
0: I don't know it depends what lens you put on it if 10 games in they've won 8 drawn 1 and lost 1 and the academy kids are doing well yeah. they're like this is fantastic but the mood changes so quickly and football fans are incredibly fickle Yeah, absolutely. and people would say that Pogba has got no way back now he wants to go let him fucking go but they will change their tune
1: if he stays yeah, of course yeah Within two weeks, they'll change the tune. I mean, I saw this on the other side of town with with Carlos Tevez a few years ago when, you know, the whole Mancini thing, he refused to sit on the bench, then get him out of the club, came back, helped him win the league, so he's loved again. So uh, football fans will just love anybody that does well for them. Although I must admit, I thought it was quite funny at Liverpool when Suarez came back and they got all that shit in the semi final. Fuck off Suarez and cheat, cheat, cheat. I kind of enjoyed that one.
0: There's a lot of pantomime villains in football, isn't there? And uh, I think he,
1: well. He's got he's got history and he
0: showed that in
1: that in that semi-final. Um If Luis Suarez was available this summer at Barcelona, which he might should United go for. Him? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll tell you why, because he's a brilliant number nine. Exactly. He's probably put a bit of weight on, but yeah. you see, that will horrify a lot of United probably. Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, brilliant
0: I, number nine. Yeah. I've watched him a hundred times since he left
1: Liverpool in person, and he's a brilliant number nine. And he's an absolute bastard. Absolutely. Which is what again is what this team needs, a bit of a bit of edge, a bit of nastiness, a bit of Fight, you know. Um, no, he um, might have got to, too far in the way at times, but this is going to cause a bit of a shitstorm. It? <laughs> oh, you shouldn't be
0: biting people on the, on the back. <laughs> no. Well, I, I don't know the guy. I've, I've, I've met him briefly, um, but I do know Diego Forlan very well, and Diego an intelligent man, and he tells me that uh, Lewis is a decent person and a good footballer, and sometimes it goes too far.
1: Yeah, I do think that every team, every good team should have a Uruguay in it. Yeah. Whether it's a defender or a striker, because they are just absolute winners. Well, there's Real- three
0: million of them surrounded by bigger neighbours.
1: Yeah.
0: And they've got a point to proof. Argentina thinks it owns Uruguay. Well, judging by the Argentinian tourists in front of El Este, the Brazilians all drop down to Montevideo. They've
1: got a chip on the shoulder, but, it's, it, but they use it in, in, the right, in the right way. Yeah, they use it in the right way to make them better and... Uh... I know we're going off topic here a little bit, but I think that is what United need, a bit of... You look at that squad, it's all a bit nice, isn't it? Yeah.
0: You
1: know, if you had, if you had to say he's the biggest bastard in the Man United team, I don't know, who, probably Marcus Rojo, and he never plays. No. You know, he's the most competitive one. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you look at all oh, United's great teams in the past, and they've always had a bit of a bastard, you know. Vidic, Cantona, Hughes, Keane. You know, you can go on, can't you? Well, who is it at the minute? They're all
0: a bit nice. So we could get to a situation if, if Lukaku goes and it doesn't bring a forward in and it doesn't quite work out quickly for Mason Greenwood. I remember this in the 92-93 season. They really needed a striker. Mm. And it was David Urse, David Urse. We'll get him, David Urse. Mm. Oh, we've signed Cancelo. Yeah. Imagine Suarez. Oh, because at the Barca end, they think they've got another year left in him. But look
1: what Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been doing. He's still a very good player. Well, Barcelona just signed Griezmann, so somebody's going to be expendable. uh, Probably going to be Coutinho, but um, Suarez doesn't like he doesn't like the British media at all. No, he likes the pay packet. I think. uh, And uh, the way that
0: (laughs) where we we going with this? (laughs) Where we going with it?
1: But the way was tweeted at Anfield in that semi-final. He might think, you know what? We got Man United. Can you imagine? Yeah. I said last year when Josie was wobbling, go for Pep. Well, yeah, yeah, I heard that one, yeah. go for him. <laughs> I'm not sure that I play that. But there are, you know, there are... Vincent Kompany was another one when you, you know, when it, it looked like he was leaving City last year. He'd have been a good sign of United for the exact reasons I mentioned Ramos before and, and Suarez to a different extent. I just think they need somebody that the players can look to and say, he's done it, he's been there, done it. and if and if the shit hits the fan, he's going to be the th- he's going to be one that's, you know, looking after it. And that is probably what they lack like at the minute. Suarez we still consider I do
0: a complete bastard however if you were to join Manchester United score a winner at Liverpool away <laughs> go up in front of the cop, then but this, the this could be negotiable
1: I can't even imagine Luis Suarez kissing a Manchester United no. badge but... in my list of bastards I have to have an honourable mentor for Wayne Rooney as well because Wayne was always one of, he was a you know he was always a guy that would stick his boot and, you know and, and fight and I think again you know that's, it, it, they've lost that a little bit when, since Wayne left and then looking at
0: the, the club, the the Glazers, Ed Woodward, I don't think genuine stick as opposed to social media noise would be far away if mm. they started the season badly. I think the match going fans have been have been very patient and fans who've been going for years, they've seen far worse, yeah. worse times in this. I know fans who've seen Manchester United relegated and we can remember in the eighties mm. when was normal to be crap I'm not saying it's acceptable because it's a different construct now it's a much bigger club it's one of the top three biggest clubs in the world but more of the spotlight will
1: be part of that they're in in the perfect storm aren't they Liverpool Champions of Europe Man City the dominant force in English football and every other rival in the Premier League getting to a European final or getting to a final or just having something on the season so it was the worst possible season for United in the sense they finished so far down the table but yeah the Glazers the thing is, they, they started they, spent, they never spent their own money, but they started to put money back into the club that they've raised and I, I, that seems to have stopped a little bit for me and I do wonder whether it is the kind of the, the beginning of the end for their ownership because they spent like seventy 75 million pounds last summer they didn't spend anything in January. they're going to spend a similar amount this summer without you know really breaking the bank. <sighs> the ground needs a bit of work and a lot of work and it. It, they don't look to me like owners that are, are there for the long term. You know we've had these faces before whereby. People thought they were going to sell to the Qataris and to whoever, but it just looks like that they're losing a bit of interest. So might be wrong. We might be here in ten years' time. So, but I don't think the campaign against was going to drive that. I don't think that makes a blind bit of difference. I don't think they weren't bothered last time. It was really intense with the green and gold, and you know when Beckham put the scarf on. I thought that was a real tipping point, and it just never happened. I don't think it'll make a bit of difference. So I think what the only thing that will matter to the Glazers is if. They think that they'll get more money out of it by selling it now than, than keeping it. And this, you know, we said this at the time in, in, in April, but I don't think that as owners there, owners' first priority is to win. I think it is at Man City and at, and at Liverpool, um, and it, I think that's backed up by the fact that the investment in the last couple of years hasn't really been what it should be for a club that, the self-star biggest club in the world. Look at Real Madrid; they've gone out there and spent massively three hundred million pounds this summer if United are the biggest club in the world that's what they should be doing but they haven't they've gone the other way now I I don't know I I just think it it looks like owners that have got one eye on
0: selling One of the best paid players in the world is Alexis Sanchez can you see any way back for him?
1: Yeah I, I, I might be a long voice on this but I think that if Lukaku goes that this could be it could be the making of Sanchez a little bit he's only 30 I know he's got a lot of miles on the clock but you know, Solskjaer made a big point after the inter game in Singapore how much his attacking players pressed. You know, how impressed it was that, you know, the Rashford and Greenwood and the Lights were pressing. That's what Sanchez does. But doesn't do that. I think if you give Sanchez, he's one of these players, Sanchez, that you need to give a bit of love, make him feel important. And he's not really had that since he came because he never got it under Mourinho. And then Oli came and he was just never quite fit. But I think with Sanchez, you know, that there's a player there. There's a real, real talent there. He could score 20 goals a season easily. Lukaku could score 20 goals a season but I think he wouldn't be scoring him against the Liverpools and Man Citys and Tottenham he'd be scoring him against the Norwiches and the Burmas which you know you need something to do Sanchez can score against the best teams and make a difference against the best teams I think you've got to stick with him you've got to persevere with him because I think he's, he's a world class player on his day and Lukaku is so you stick with Sanchez and just give the guy the encouragement that he needs you know maybe he's I know you spoke at a bit of Berbatov, but maybe he's a bit of a Berbatov. He needs to feel like he's important that he's not the centre of the team. Some players are like that. I've not given up
0: on him. I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out a shred of hope, but for the reasons you said that he can come good, I watched him a lot when he was at, at Barcelona and his confidence is probably on the floor. He's moved to Manchester, he's, in a, he's, he's walked into a shitstorm where the manager who's brought him has gone. He knows what the fans are saying about him, he's not stupid. But my brother bumped into him three days after he signed in a, a restaurant and he, he made a point of saying to him, I wanted to join this club, it wasn't Manchester City. And you can look at that two ways because he got offered a, yeah. a rather large pay packet. But there was a lot of goodwill when he signed, it's just not happened. And he is still only 30, officially. And I just think he, need, he, just, he needs for his confidence to be picked up off the floor of it. He just picks up his
1: injuries, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. he's come up from the cup of America with another yeah.
0: injury. Is well, that isn't, is that not in sort of a cycle of negativity where yeah. you're not
1: convinced? Because every play will tell you they've played through injury. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it could be. It's, uh, but no, I, I I think he's worth persevering with. Well, he has to be because nobody's going to buy. Him. Well, we spoke to
0: Dimitar Berbatov. He just mentioned that he's on a forthcoming podcast and he'll be in the mag. And he's really, really interesting. Now he's really intelligent. I interviewed him a couple of years ago and I didn't see any of this when he played and. It often happens that when players stop playing, they just become completely different people.
1: Yeah. You no. can get on with them like adults. No, I no. You can have
0: a beer with them. Well, absolutely. You can talk about politics or...
1: Yeah, I mean, some people, somebody said to me once that footballers are 16 from the day they retire and all of a sudden they have to grow up and, uh, because they've had everything done for them for, for, for the whole life. And they get into the real world and I think uh, I think Berbatov's like that. I, I do remember the day he scored that hat trick against Liverpool. You know, as the Man United, it's got to hat trick against Liverpool at Old Trafford, and he won't even do MUTV TV. I think Stuart Gardner had to chase him at the tunnel to say, "Come on, what, what are you thinking?" He might have done it in the end, you know, under sufferance. But um, yeah, well, what,
0: what could he have been thinking?
1: I don't know. Maybe it was the uh, keep the mystique about him, or I don't know. It was. Uh, I know he was a bit shy. I remember being on. Uh, I know a few of the places so that was a bit weird. We had a. Uh, I think they had a trip to Turkey once. It might be beset us or something like that. But we flew with the team from Stansted of all places weirdly I think they played at Spurs on Reading the night before so we have to drive down to Stansted so we are in this, this kind of private terminal with the players it was one of those where all the players are sat over there and all the press are sat miles away because you, you can't be seen to be mingling with the players certainly in the Fergie days anyway yeah. so all the players are sat in the groups and all that you know they having a laugh and was off. he's just stood on his own at the at the door at the checking door waiting for the plane stood, stood with his bag at his, his feet facing the, the runway back to all the players and it's like what are you doing? You just look a bit weird. He you know, you just stood just, at the, the ultimate loner. Yeah. Had no engagement or interaction with any of the players. But like I say, now he's come out and he's like Peter Ustinov. He's cool. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: He's interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, he looks fantastic. I know he could probably still do a turn for United, actually. If you were the old players, he could do that. Well, he's told David, me. In that friendlier as well, Jesus. He told me that he's not retired. How old is he? 38. Mm. So he's probably, you know, look at Zlatan who's 37 maybe he's thinking he's got to the MLS I love watching this Zlatan thing by the way I, I, again I got a bit of shit on Twitter probably my own fault because I said that it's a pity United couldn't get another year out of him now, that was read as United got rid of him too early because a couple of years ago I said that United shouldn't be held to ransom by Zlatan which was the case but it's a pity United couldn't get another year out of him fitness wise and what have you because he's a brilliant personality brilliant player and again talk about Rooney and Zlatan left the same, pretty much the same summer, two massive personalities left at the same time and you know, Zlatan was, I always thought he was great around the club, great with the young players, great with the staff, a real kind of leader in the sense that led by example and he was the biggest star there and people, you know, and he, he led by example, he'd always stop in the mix on to journalists, he'd always stop for the TV so when the main man's doing it, others kind of follow his lead and, you know, just to have him around the club would be good but... Yeah, shame that he's gone, actually. But he's, he's turned up in, in the US, is not he? He is. Uh, him and
0: Rooney were the main men, and when they left, I think Paul Pogba took over the mantle as the main influence. Zlatan's injury was really serious. Yeah, yeah. He did well to come back from it, yeah. but maybe he came back a little uh, bit too
1: quickly. But I think he did, yeah. I love it when he talks to talk. Brilliant. And then produces and... Well, that's the thing, isn't it? He's, uh, it's he, only football, isn't it? I know exactly. And, you know, people think it's a bit of a knob, but it's he's, uh, he's not. He's, he's, the thing with Zlatan is uh um, Sort of it's all the show isn't it he gets it so this season you
0: can be reading your stuff in ESPN have you got anything yeah. exciting planned
1: uh, i will got to say yes at this point aren't I uh, no I'm still there because there's been a big drift to the athletic as yeah. uh, the people might be but I'm, you know, I, I'm still at ESPN and uh, yeah a good place to be it's uh, exciting times in journalism but uh, I'm staying where I was thank you for your time always mate and we'd invite you back on this
0: yours was the second most popular podcast of the year so far. <laughs> Behind who? <laughs> I can't even remember. I just remember looking at it the other day. Uh, PSG PSGOA. Oh, OK. PSG away was like smashed it because... What, positive rather than downbeat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, I think there was a bit of everything in that. We started with a Parisian taxi driver, basically planning who he wanted to get in the next round and where he was going to go to. And then it ends up, I just held it up in front of the United and it uh, just fucking brilliant.
1: Well, I think this one's been a bit more upbeat than the last one. Yeah, it's about, been a bit, bit been a bit more upbeat. Yeah. There's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It could be a tranquil in the other end, but it, I think it's light in the, the tunnel in some respects. Thanks for your time. Cheers, pal.